And we're live. Welcome to the Volition of Liberty podcast. Today, I'm joined by a very special human. <laughs> he, uh, His name is Josh Rainer Gold on Instagram. Uh, him and I got connected quite a while ago at this point, and it's just taken months and months of us figuring out when we're going to get together and finally sit down and talk. And uh, Josh, welcome, man. Hey, buddy. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on. I'm glad we could finally do this. Me as well, man. There's a there's gonna be there's gonna be a lot of good stuff we get to talk about. I guess uh, to kind of people who don't know you, um, what are you about? Who are you? How did you get to this space? And we'll kind of go from there. So, all right, I'm gonna do a little something here. I love it when people, you know, they tell their audience who I am because I love how people perceive me because it's always so different. And so, I just want to know who you think I am. All right. Well, Mr. Josh, Mr. Josh Rainer Gold is just a raw everything nationalist. <laughs> he is an absolute despiser of any of the three or four letter agencies. And that is why him and I are best friends. Anything outside of that we can we can get into. And it, I'm sure just as a preface for this episode for everyone, it is going to be just filled with Fed posts. I can guarantee that. <laughs> You know what? That's probably one of the best intros I've I've ever heard. Um, that's honestly that's a really it's a really good way of, of putting it. It is a um, it's you know it's it's this wanting to experience like the truest, rawest, fullest reality, and also fuck everyone who's trying to stop us from doing that. That's that's pretty much my whole ethos. So you, you know you you got me pegged real good. Yeah, and I couldn't agree more. There's a uh... And that, and that's the thing that the interesting thing about the, the human spirit and the, the, I, I, I don't want to call it reality we're living in right now, but, it, but it is, you know, like reality is a strong word for it, <laughs> but, yeah. um, you know, the, the situation that we're living in and all of the, all of the things that have been happening, what people don't understand that is every, every institution, every system, every program, every, everything is literally designed to fucking kill you. Yeah, that's a that's a great way of putting it. But you know, I love I love kind of the like the expression like they're trying to kill us because I think it's really important that people understand how much that they hate us and how there's nothing they're like not willing to do. But you know, like they're trying to kill us like it's 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 worse than that. It's worse than them trying to kill us. It's like they're trying to kill everything about they're trying to kill our spirit they're trying to kill everything about us while just keeping us alive just enough to exploit the shit out of us mm-hmm. so yeah, to sell our to sell our future and to trap our time and to make us into actual serfdom so so like i, I had a post a little while back about how like in the movie the matrix right they the the, the machines don't kill the humans they literally harvest the humans, right? And so they just they give them bread and circus, what's essentially what the matrix is, and so that they just like their brains are just preoccupied and they're literally just like pumping human juice out of them. That's that's <laughs> how I juice. want that's how I want like people to sort of understand this. Because like they don't want if they if they wanted you dead, they could just make you dead. No, no, no. They want you. They need they need your power. They're trying to to steal everything that we have to to run whatever it is that they want. 
Yeah, yeah, and that's that's the, the past you know two and a half years. It's not it's not a physical kinetic hot war. It's a spiritual war, and it and it's always been designed to be that way. They need to break you down into the very smallest pieces they possibly can and just harvest out whatever is left. So that way there's no fight left in you. You're going to pay attention to all the psyops and all the false flags and all the, you know, eat beyond beef. And, you know, we can just keep going down the line of that, but it's a spiritual war, right? And as long as you are congruent and aligned enough to understand what is happening, to see through the smoke and mirrors, they're not coming after you physically right now. Right. And that may happen in the future. Who knows? Right. And that's when people like me get to shine. But, you know, right now they're just doing it spiritually. And, you know, as we see over the course of, you know, today's let's February 3rd, over the course of the last couple of weeks, the COVID narrative had just, you know, it's just been demolished, right? Worldwide. But they're going to, they're just going to squeeze every bit of juice out of that fruit as they can before they move into the next thing, which is central digital bank currencies and, climate passports and internet passports got to vaccinate the internet right so i guess i i got a question for you because it's it's been kind of burning me because i think that we'll land we'll kind of land at this at this it may be the same maybe the same answer if not uh you know definitely in the in the same stadium i can phrase it like uh like a ted k fed post style you know the industrial revolution and its consequences have been you know horrible for humankind but if we actually go back to let's call it 1903 to 1905 um the use of npk as fertilizer i can tie a lot of this back as far as the masculine frame feminization of society everything to the literal destruction of the soil health in this country well, and worldwide, but especially in the United States of America. Um, yeah, funny, funnily enough, like, you know, we were talking about like Twitter earlier. I haven't been super active on Instagram lately, and I don't know why. I've just been really sort of engaged and drawn to Twitter. And I've, I'm in this group chat with like a bunch of farmers and, and um, you know, other people just who like have strong connection with, with nature and stuff. And we have been just like, literally like mogging these like companies like Oatly and, um, and, and all these like very, um, you know, we've been posting lots of things about, about uh, soil and about, you know, cows and regenerative agriculture and um, attacking these, you know, these elements of our industrial you know, widespread, whether it's government, corporate, subsidized, whatever, this like terrible system that we have. And um, funnily enough, I was literally talking to like my team today on the farm about NPK. And, um, and, and at the same time, it was also NPK was the first subject of conversation that my future wife and I had. Was NPK. Oh, I was gonna, I was gonna say marry her immediately, but you seem to already <laughs> have done that. Good job. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, you know, it's, it's this, you know, we think about the, the kind of metaphor of like roots, right? It's like, it's where everything is anchored, where everything comes from. It's where everything grows out of. And they have destroyed our roots in every possible way. They remove us from culture, from family, from, from food, from tradition, from the land, from everything. And if everything comes from, you know, like I, I love, I'm a very big like 
fan of, of balance. And by that, I mean, I love finding these like two kind of opposing elements of any kind of equation that exist in this like, you know, kind of harmonious sense. And so like the perfect example of that is like, you know, the yin yang sort of, you know, dichotomy, right? We have the masculine and the feminine. And, um, you know, I feel like regardless of where your religious beliefs or ideology kind of sits, I feel like it kind of everyone might would or could agree that, you know, from this male masculine feminine perspective, that nature more resembles the feminine and then the sun more resembles the masculine, right? And so there's there's that chaotic element of nature and the sun is just very like steady, right? The sun the sun rises every morning and it kind of for at least for us it's very reliable, it's very consistent. And so the the religions that are more nature-based tend to have more feminine elements to them and then the religions that are more solar-based or you know Christianity, right? The sun, right? Like, you know, there's in, in Hindu, they have like the same concept in all these religions, they have like this kind of sun element. And so between the sun and the earth is like all of life, right? Everything kind of exists when the, these two elements merge together. And I had, I had a post about this recently. Um, you know, it's like the, just like how uh, procreation works, you are given this spark from the masculine and then the feminine brews and 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 flourishes all these things right and it's this wonderful balance and so if you think about like this kind of the scope of our reality both like quite literally and more metaphorically it's we have this like merging of this energy where when the sun hits the earth everything grows right we have the 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 plants which do photosynthesis right and then through their processes we have the the herbivores the grazers come in Right. And so then they're going to take, they're taking the next chain, like right through the trophic levels of the solar energy. And then the, the carnivores, the predators like us, then we come and we're the next chain. And then we go and we eat, you know, the, the herbivores. And then we're, we're just extracting solar energy and then returning it to the earth, right? Like through manure, through our own death as our body decays into the, into the soil. And it's this like wonderful, um, cycle and they came and they fucked all of that right because this thing is supposed to work in a certain way and when you don't have the the, the grazers to keep the the both the plants in check right like to have that like proper sloughing to have the nutrients going from root to shoot and back and forth then the, then the plants get out of whack, right? And then not just that, but then if the grazers don't get in there and then drop the manure and, you know, trample it all in there, then the nutrients can't return to the soil. And then when that happens, then we don't have plants or animals to eat. And so they've, they've, they've created this depleted, deficient system. It's unnatural. It's broken from the cycle. And then not just that, but then the synthetic fertilizers then poison us it's this like it's this like front, like root level destruction of everything it means to live and be a living being on this planet yeah we are we are very much just an organism like anything else and unfortunately a small subsect of us got a little too clever and realized that if you can control the gut of a human being you can control the entire populace 
right? Yeah, it's the estrogenize the, the, the food the gut, and the gut and soil um, analogy that they overlap so much, right? It's, it, mm-hmm. You need the microbes, you need that dirty, good stuff that is abundant with this uh, tons of life forms, this ecosystem. And when you throw the bacteria out of whack, you ruin everything. Like those are the building blocks of it all. Yeah, and and they are like, and that's. <clears throat> You know, and you and I have had have had this argument, I'm sure, with hundreds of different people at this point of, you know, well, you know, veganism is this and veganism is that. And I'm not trying to trash vegan people. Fine, do whatever you want. But you have to understand, I mean, you are stripping, literally stripping the earth of thousands of different creatures at once just to get your Beyond Burger or whatever it is, or your fake oat milk or your Soylent or, you know, you name it, that that all of that goes against anything we are supposed to be doing as stewards of this planet. It, every time, every time. You know, it's, it's easy to pick on like the worst vegans, right? Like, you know, the, the Oatly's and the impossible burgers, like those types of vegans, but like even the ones who are doing it, the, you know, the quote unquote, the right way, right. They're eating all real natural foods they are not processed. And, and they truly care. They, they care about the animals they care about you know, the planet and all that kind of stuff. But if you don't understand the the nature of reality and the reality of nature, then everything will be destroyed no matter how good your intentions are. And so if you get rid of the herbivores, then everything goes to shit. And if you leave the herbivores but you get rid of the predators, everything also goes to shit because they exist in this balance. And if you don't have everything, keeps everything else in check, and it and it works like phenomenally. But you know, are you a Wendell Berry guy? Of course, I'm a Wendell yeah, Berry of guy. Of course you are. <laughs> of course you are. Well, I don't know. I you know, I was sort of asking like, you're you know, you're a Wendell Berry guy, right? And um, uh, I just started reading reading the Unsettling of America. Oh, beautiful. Um, yeah, and and I think like it's even like in the first few. It's like the first few, I'm literally like 10 pages in, you know, he kind of talks about what, um, what happened as like Europeans came to this country, right? And changed the whole system of the way everything works. And what you have is like, you had, you know, I think he says like, you know, 13,000 years of this system of, of the, the bison roaming and um, the way that the natives were sort of doing things. And all of that was invested into the soil. And then in a matter of just like a couple hundred years, we've just fucked it all, right? All of this wealth. And so like on the, on the IG Live I literally just came from, we were talking about how, you know, if you're born of healthy people who had, you know, nourishing foods, you're born with this like nutritional inheritance. And then all it takes is like one generation of being vegan. And then you can just destroy all that built up. But it takes having that to even make, like to to be able to really succeed as a vegan, right? If no one, no one is the grand, you know, child of like you know lifelong vegan, lifelong vegan, lifelong vegan from like birth yeah. because it doesn't work. It doesn't no, get. It's that. non-creationary. <laughs> you cannot. It's non-creationary. It's, no, it doesn't exist. You can't perpetuate the 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 species. So so we have we had this this soil which had just been like doing this thing forever and ever and we extracted 
every last thing out of it and just left it completely dead. And it's just like dump more NPK on it, more synthetic fertilizers nonstop. And everything is garbage. And so everything needs to be, now we need to, to have the GMO plants. And now you have to have all these other chemicals that you have to inject into the system. And it's just this, like, it's a coping mechanism that's away from the real thing. And all it's doing is make the problem worse and worse and worse. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And at this point, it's not even, we've reached the point now. And I think uh, it, it had to been a couple of months back and I'm sure you saw this article come about too. And I can't remember the exact numbers, but we've reached the point now where globally it, it the percentage is insane. We barely have soil health globally, not just in this country, not just, you know, in North America, globally, we, we, it, it is not healthy to even try to grow anything in the soil that we have worldwide. That's how much they fucked it up. Like that's how bad it's gotten, you know, as, as far as a, you know, volume and average percentages, obviously we, you know, you can grow things, I can grow things, but it shouldn't be that way. It should be, I can go out anywhere and I'm in Idaho, right? Yeah. I should be able to go out anywhere and plant anything. And because of the, the timber here, like most things are going to grow. It's, it's not like that anymore. And, you know, and if for people who don't know that the, no pun intended, the downstream effects of your soil health is your waterways. Not only are you ruining the soil, you are ruining the water that you need to live on this planet. Like if there is not good soil to be able to hold the roots and hold the water systems and everything else, that water goes away. It goes somewhere else to where you so can get I, it. I, I literally yesterday, I think, or maybe it was two days ago, did this long thread on Twitter about like industrial farming and a, a major point, you know, so I was responding to this guy who's like, you know, the, the person who finds themselves in this like center right political spectrum, um, hyper rationalist, likely atheists and have a lot of libertarian ideas, very pro GDP, that kind of archetype of sorts. And he said that he is so grateful for factory farming because he can get chicken drumsticks for $1.50 a pound. And so he's thankful for the chickens in battery cages. Oh, bro, not going to make it. (laughs) Yeah. And so, and I just went like, you know, this long, like probably like 12 tweet thread kind of thing on, on it. And a major point was because the soil can't hold water. You have, you have no drought protection. You have no literal flood protection. And so your costs of everything, like yeah, now you have to, to find and bring in water. Now you have to literally deal with, if there's a flood or mudslide, you have to deal with repairing the infrastructure. You have to deal with literally saving people's lives from dying from a flood because you know your chicken is $1.50 or something. And, and it, it's, it's this, it's such a strong element to it where, you know, think about like all the droughts, you know, drought is a common thing with agriculture and farming. Like, you know, you need water for it. And if you actually just took care of the land properly, your water would stay in the soil. It wouldn't go on. You could just hold like the hundred thousands of gallons in your soil that would just be sitting there. And there's a there's a wonderful video. I don't know who did it. Some some regenerative farmer 
where they put soil in like a little glass container and they pour water on top. And the, the, the good soil, it just, the water doesn't pour through. It just sort of like gets sponged up by that, hmm. like, you know, um, by like that hummus soil, right? Like mm-hmm. that, just like that chocolate cake moistness. And then he pours it into like the dry soil and it just pours fucking dump straight out. Just all gone. Yep. No staying power whatsoever. Yeah, and there's I, I have I have seen that exact video that you're talking about. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to kind of get back though to that to the way that the system <clears throat> actually works is that and I think because of the listeners on this podcast, I've, I have a lot of I have a lot of people that are that are new to this whole world, right? So the things you and I are talking about are going to be giant, you know, deep dives. Let's go see Alice in the rabbit hole for him, which is great because they need it because the shit that we're talking about is important. Yeah. But I mean, let's go back to the, to the animal based system here really quick, because it, <clears throat> I think it's important for people to understand that. And I'm going to, I'm going to lay out, you know, my kind of four square system that I 100% stole from Joel Salatin because he already made all the mistakes and then he decided to put them in books and we can all learn from it. Um, so whoever listen, if you don't have Joel Salatin books, go buy all of them. Like, I think there's 12, 13 at this point, they're super cheap and he does talks everywhere. He is the pretty much leader of the homesteaders of America conference. Like that dude did the thing and he definitely hates the feds as much as we all do. So, um, he made that little permaculture system of, you know, the cows go in one square of the pasture for a week. They move to the other square, you know, the other corner of the pasture. The pigs follow the cows. The chickens follow the pigs. And by the time the cows get back to the other top square of that pasture, the grass is already growing in green again. Because that's how that system works. The cows shit on the ground. The pigs come through. They root up the grass a little bit more because pigs are rooters. They have manure all over that part of the pasture. The chickens come through. They kill your pest cycle immediately. You won't have flies. You won't have stench. You won't have anything because if animals work in harmony together, all of those problems go away. They just go away. You have good bacterias, no pest cycles, and you have natural free ranging meat that is the happiest, healthiest creatures you've ever laid your hands on in your life. And they just do the work for you. Furthermore, that system requires very little input of manual labor which is the beautiful part of it. People think, oh, farming's hard. Yeah, it's hard. But if you use animals for what they're actually intended for, you barely have to pick up a shovel. <laughs> you know? like, they, they do the work themselves. Okay, so speaking of like, you know, fuck all the feds and everything. So the farm that I'm working on right now, um, we have, you know, we have our cows out in pasture and we have our, our, uh, our pigs in a pen. And... Um, you know, I, I was talking to the to the owner the other day, and he was like, "Yeah, you know, I had the pigs uh, out in the pasture um, last year, and then the count, the city or the county, whatever, told me that I couldn't." <sighs> and it's just like, "What do you like?" I'm like, "What do you mean?" It's like, I, 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 I mean, if I did, then then just like they'll find me or something. I don't know. And it's just like, "What do you mean you can't? Like, why? Why do they? they that doesn't make any sense." And the thing is, they don't have to be. You know, you know, there's a saying like, and I'm not even like a fan of it, but like never attribute to malice what can be attributed to stupidity. It it doesn't matter 
at the end of the day, it doesn't matter whether they're just trying to fuck with you or they're just completely they're complete dumbasses. It doesn't matter because at the end of the day, we can't have our pigs on the pasture, which means everyone loses. The land loses. The people eating the meat, they lose. Why is mm-hmm. that a thing? There's no reason for it. It mm-hmm. just makes things worse. I, yeah, I think yeah. I think that is probably um, on a plaque at the USDA office. How do we make shit work <laughs> like that? You have to like tap it like you're going into a football game. You got to tap it on the way into the building. You know, same with the FDA. Play because, like a champion today. <laughs> yeah, play like a champion. Let's fuck these people. Um, you know, it it. Uh, a, a lot of what they do doesn't make sense. And it's all the bureaucracy thing, right? And like you said, we can tie it up to actual malice, to actual people having a huge agenda to be evil, or we can tie it into they're just all idiots. But like you said, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It, because by the time it all funnels, you know, shit rolls downhill, the farmer is who loses. You know, like I, I would love to actually talk to you know, the owner of your farm and see what, what the conversation was with, with the County or with the city, because well, a, they, they don't work in agriculture. They sit in a desk somewhere at some, you know, city building and are the, are the codes they're enforcing? When were they made? You know, let's look at when those codes were made. Are they a little bit outdated you think, or maybe they need to be amended, you know, and it's, it's just simple shit like that to where sure the rule book is in place, but we know most of the rules are garbage and they're meant to make us follow a system that is non-creative, that is meant to keep us in our same place, that takes the upward mobility of the normal man and completely erases it. All of this is based on food, right? You think that food is important. This is all based on food. <laughs> so so I will say that, again, I don't know the specifics of that because that happened, you know, it went into place before I got here. But there's like the woman who like, you know, there's kind of like a local agricultural kind of government entity kind of a thing. And because um, like a lot of our land is is like granted from the from the city that we lease from because uh, we have like 450 acres and we have we own a small amount of that. Most of that comes from from the government and they give it to us for pretty cheap, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, it was yours to begin with. But yeah, anyway. Yeah, sure. You know, um, but uh the woman who who heads the city's organization is a vegan, and and so she specifically hates our farm, hmm. and so we have gotten um, anonymous, you know, complaints about our farm, and it's like we know, we know. So let let tell me about that really quick. So uh, and I know you recently got this gig as a farm because we we had started talking about it kind of. You know, was it late, late last winter? Is that, is that kind of when it happened or? Uh, I mean, yeah, I think it's, it's been like, it's been a little while since we've been talking at least a little bit, but it's yeah. definitely taken off more, more recently. Um, are you, is it like, what, what's your, what's your daily, daily day look like? I mean, is it a full permaculture farm? I mean, are we talking all strictly organic, labelized everything? Do you guys sell on the farm? Give me, give me a little bit of what that's about. So uh, we are not certified organic um but every everything is like you know beyond organic practices like there's no organic pest you know all that kind of thing um so yeah you know every day you know we 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 start at like the crack of dawn and um we have a little morning meeting 
and then we go into chores, right? So our, our daily kind of everyday chores, obviously winter right now is a little different, right? And it's not like full workload and everything, but every morning, uh, milk the cows, um, feed, feed the, uh, we have like our wet herd and we have our dry herd. So the, the, the dairy cows are all in a certain area and they come in and then get to eat like all their hay and stuff. We milk them. And then the dry herd is out in pasture. And because it's winter right now, we go feed them hay. So we go dump hay off the truck for them. And then we feed the pigs and we feed the sheep and we feed the chickens. Um, and for the most part, that's like our standard morning chores. And then after that, that's all done. We come in for breakfast and we kind of eat in the farmhouses like a family. And then depending on the day, sometimes from that point on, it gets kind of slow. Um, sometimes we will, you know, take our extra cream, our extra milk, cream it, uh, churn butter. Um, we will, you know, like collect eggs. Um, sometimes we have like, you know, we're, we're putting together like a greenhouse right now. So we're like, we're, we have this kind of old broken apart hoop house kind of set up. So we're like welding that together. Um, just kind of like odd random odd kind of jobs kind of stuff here and there. Um, you know, so occasionally, you know, we, we sell hay. So sometimes we'll have a delivery. So we'll go load all the hay up in the truck and drive across town and deliver it. Um, we have like, we have a number of, of trucks on the property, which are being repaired right now. So sometimes, you know, and I don't really even know shit about cars, but sometimes, you know, it's like, come help learn about, you know, cause everything is, is, is it's always a learning process. You know, even if someone is like the expert on the thing, that's the thing that I love about the farm is that like every time you're going to something, it's kind of like the first time that things ever happened. It's like, Mm -hmm. there's been something like that, but it's like, how did that get there? Like, how did, how did that get stuck in that? You know, it's just like, well, we'll just figure it out. Um, you know, and so like, sometimes it's been like, okay, let's, you know, we had to set up fencing when we moved the herd um, sometimes it's like, you know, we are, um, so we're moving from, uh, right now when like our, our milking is we have like, you know, like kind of two catch cans that we milk into every day. And then that property, we kind of have to drive around the corner to the farmhouse and then pour the milk and then put it in the, in the fridge for the customers. So what we're trying to do is at the, uh, at the milking barn, um, which is, like I said, another property. Um, there is a little kind of side room to it that we're trying to turn into our like kind of milk pour creamery kind of station. So we've, because it's shared with the city, they are coming, they come and set up the water for us. We're trying to get hot water in there, heat. Um, and then we're going to try to do our pouring in there. So we don't have to literally drive our cans back. So we've been setting up the room, cleaning it, you know, getting everything finished in there. You know, today we, we have this big bulk bulk tank that we drove over there and we're trying to like get everything kind of set up and stuff. So it's just kind of like random things here and there. Um, as far as kind of like, you know, what all that we like produce and sell for the most part, it's meat, dairy, eggs, and wheat. Um, so we have, uh, obviously there's no wheat right now. It's winter time. So that'll be something that happens when the season comes along. Um, and, uh, You're as our, with that. <clears throat> yeah, that'll be, that'll be a great time. <laughs> so so I, I worked a little bit on a produce farm here in Boulder, uh, like in the summer and, uh, summer, fall kind of transition and, you know, produce farming stuff is like, it's, 
really intensive. It's just like, it's way more involved. Like, you know, working with what I'm doing right now, there's like, you're working really hard and then it's like, relax. And you're working really hard and then it's like, relax and wait around a bit. Protos are just like, go, it's like, it's like pick, pick, wash, bunch, pick, pick, wash, bunch, just like constantly. And you're bending over in weird positions and it's, yeah, it's, it's hard. Anyone that thinks that that's the easy way, it's not the easy way. Trust me. It's no, not the, 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 easy the way. energy input to grow produce based on what you get out, you, it's always a losing scenario. It always yeah. is. No matter what, whether you're looking at it as monetary value or nutrition value, it, it doesn't matter what it is. You are going to put in so much sweat equity to get that, you know, 20 pounds of cucumbers or whatever it is, rather than, yeah, that's, that's a sheep out there. He's taking a shit. He's eating some grass. I'll probably kill it later. You know, like, it's... <laughs> yeah, like they, they, they do it themselves, you know? Um, so, so yeah, I mean, it's the, the wheat, the wheat will be interesting. We'll see when that, when that time comes, but um, yeah. So like, you know, we, we're about to, we have our, our, our meat CSA starts later this month and goes through uh, Thanksgiving. Oh, okay. So you guys do do a CSA. That was, I was going to ask that. So yeah. good. So, so all due to the laws, right. So our milk is a uh, milk share, right. Herd share style. So, um, you know, uh, everyone is signed up and they have their day of the week that they can come pick up their milk and kind of thing. And then, and then everyone who is a, a milk share customer can also also purchase any of our additional dairy products like on the spot. If they want an extra jar of milk, if they want butter or, or you know, cheese or whatever, they can kind of buy that on there on the spot. Um, and then so we're doing, yeah, Meat CSA, so we're going to start slaughtering pretty soon. So then slaughtering and butchering is going to become like, you know, a weekly kind of thing. And so then there goes our workload kind of increasing pretty substantially for, you know, until basically, you know, winter comes around again next time. Um, yeah. Are you, you, know, are you guys, all, are you guys loafing all the steers throughout the winter? Or are you outsourcing through butchery? I mean, what, what are you guys doing through that? Yeah. So as it stands now, it's all our, our own, um, our own steers and we process them. Okay. Um, so because it's meat CSA, not USDA process, right? So on our packaging, it says this has not been inspected. Um, you know, it is not, there is no certification of organic. You are getting, you know, the most cared for kind of meat, you know, that exists. Yeah. Or, um, or you have to go through the, the Craigslist method of this is for animal consumption only. Like, and it's fucking, <laughs> yeah. it's so fucking sad that we've reached that point as a culture. It, it, it really is ridiculous that if you don't send out your, your animals to a USDA processor where they wash them in their citric acid solution, which they harvest from mold, by the way then it's not legal to sell to the public. So what we can do is we can't we can sell uh, you know quarter half full cows to the public. That we can do. But the the cow has to be sold before we process it. Right. Right? They just make you jump jump through all these hoops when instead we could just have a freezer full of all different kinds of cuts and anyone off the street could drive over and put a little cash in a box and and yeah, so it, yeah, it's, it's, we're, we're, this is the slow season right now. So before you know it, it'll be, and then when we start hang, that's when, you know, things get really crazy and we start work at 5am and do you guys, uh, are you, do you guys get three cuts or four cuts where you're at? I don't know what your water table is like there. I don't know because I, I haven't been there. So this yeah, will so, be my first so here, season. Uh, hay in season is, it's, it's kind of like a hit and miss and it's kind of cool the way it works between like all the, all the, all the farmers locally uh, versus the 
you know, whoever the end consumer is for hay, because there's, there's a, about, about 20 minutes South of me is the snake river, right? So once you get closer to the river, the water table obviously gets a little bit higher, you know? Right. So there's this, just this wild, it's probably, I don't know, 40 miles long by about five miles deep strip of land on the snake river. That's all multiple farms now. Right. But the, just that area alone, right above it is one of the biggest grape growing orchards in the United States. Like it rivals California grapes. It, it's huge. Wow. But right below that, all of those properties can get four cuts of hay a year instead of three, which three is pretty much the standard, right? Like right. you, you really gotta be working if you're going to get a good solid three cuts of hay out of no, no matter where you're at. Right. It, it doesn't matter. <clears throat> but all those properties, people will start building up like trading items throughout the winter and throughout the spring. <clears throat> and they'll say, Hey, you know, I got 15 head of cattle, you know, whether it's, you know, heifers, yearlings, whatever it is. And they'll just start trying to trade with the farmers about in about two weeks and it goes up until about april to try and get that fourth cutting of hay without having to pay for it <laughs> because, well because if you know if you look at it on you know like a PL sheet you know you're gonna buy those first three cuts anyway right you gotta you gotta right. feed whatever it is <clears throat> well that fourth cut is gonna get you from about october all the way until next april without you right. having to pay for it so that offsets all of <laughs> a majority of your cost right there right if you're gonna over winter and especially if you want to try and breed through the winter like i'm breeding through the winter right now i've yeah. got three 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 goat does pregnant right now and that my hay cost increases dramatically because they're pregnant and they're hungry and right. they're angry <laughs> they gotta eat yeah, <laughs> yeah. so yeah it's really cool the way it works so it, it'd be interesting just to kind of see did you um did you always farm were you always farming? Did, was it always something you wanted to get into or was it because you changed your diet and your lifestyle that you decided, oh shit, this is important? So the first time that I ever farmed was working on that produce farm this, you know, just this last summer. Um, I didn't really have much of a opinion on it, you know, one way or the other. Um, you know, I grew up in like a beach town outside of Los Angeles. And so that's just not your reality. You know, you get your food from the store and like, that's about it. Um, as I got into college and my kind of obsession with health and nutrition took off, then it was like trying to find good quality. And then you find out that like, okay, good quality means a farm that does things a certain way and feeds them certain feed and so then from that understanding, I kind of understood like, okay, grass fed, right? That, that was like a major selling point. And so you start looking for um, farms that do this like good process. And so the first thing was, oh, good process means good meat. It means good for me. And then you go, oh, no, well, this good process means good for the animals, good for the land. And like that's so I was like, okay, like that's that's good. That makes sense because – like what's good is is good, right? Like it it wouldn't. It's obviously the way that uh, that life is is that the way that makes the healthiest meat wouldn't destroy the soil. Weird how that works out, isn't it? Weird. <laughs> yeah, crazy, right? <laughs> and so, so are you familiar with Belcampo? 
It sounds like a, a Mexican like store around here, but so no, I'm not. <laughs> so, so uh, when I was in college uh, and I, I joined like my CrossFit gym and found out about like paleo and then like all this like sort of perspective on health changes to like the food we're supposed to eat, the way it's supposed to be done, this quality element. So everyone at my gym, I was in uh, downtown Los Angeles. There was a uh, uh, this butcher like storefront within Grand Central Market in downtown LA for this uh, for a farm called Belcampo, which was like in Northern California. So like between San Francisco and LA, they had a couple locations, little butcher shops, where it's like, oh, this is meat from that farm, as opposed to just like going to the store and just buying like blank, you know, meat. You don't know where it comes from, whatever. And so that was a huge step in like then getting into like organs and understanding like, man, like I, I know the form that this meat's from. Like that's crazy, you know? And so then there was, a res- there was a respect and appreciation for farms that did things the right way, right? But it still was very much like in the distance. Over the last few years, my um, search into kind of like how that stuff works has gotten greater. Like, you know, started getting into Joel Salatin and Alan Savory, not necessarily like, for myself to do those things, but just kind of to understand how that works and how to get good quality food. Well, you went on the slippery slope though. That's the problem. I, I went into it the same way. I was like, I, I just want to, I, I want to understand how it works. And I was like, nope, I, I need to do this. If I'm going to, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to, and I'm going to expect the results that I want, then I need to do it with my own hands. I, like I need to go do that. I know it's, <laughs> it's wild. Like to eat, like I've eaten so much meat in my life. And it's like I have a lot of animals to kill before like that even comes close to balancing out. And that's like not this like, you know, some people think that it comes from this like weird, like perverted sense of like I need to murder. It's like, no, I need to be responsible for the life of the thing that I'm taking. I need to I need to become come when you're staring an animal in the face and you slit its throat. So many like for for the vegans for the for the ignorant animal eaters for all of them it's like you don't know what you're talking about you haven't been there and until you have you have no connection to what that experience is like you do not know what that means it is it is the most well if if not the most deeply visceral human experience that you can probably have outside of childbirth whether that's you're a father or you're a mother like that that is how deeply visceral that experience is for me for me and like i obviously i've I've, I've killed many, many an animal at this point in yeah. my life. <laughs> yeah. um, whether it's, you know, through slaughtering on the farm or through hunting or, th- or through whatever it may be. Um, there's nothing quite like it. And it's not a, it's not a, it's not a dark feeling. It's not a happy feeling. It's you, you are feeling the energy of that life force leave. So that way you can continue. It's that deep. Yeah, you know, it's okay. So there's this. I've I've been saying this for a while, uh, for at least a few years. Where you know people would look at what I'm doing with like nutrition and fitness and stuff, and they think it's like I don't know. They say it's like extreme or you know whatever. Um, and I look at it. and I'm going. This is like the most basic fundamental element of being a human. I'm not doing anything special. This is. This is just literally step one. This is step one to being a human. And everyone is skipping that step and building a life on top of that. And it's like, 
you have no foundation whatsoever. I and and so when I think about like people are like, oh, you know, everywhere when you're you become that guy. Oh, you're the health guy. You're the fitness guy. And then every time you go have a dinner party, someone's like, I'm trying to lose like this, like these five pounds right here. And you're just like, motherfuck. And, and you know, oh God. And then it's like, you know, I'll be having dinner with like my parents and some of their friends. And it's like some middle-aged woman is asking me like a thousand questions about health. And I care and I want to help her. And I give her every sincere answer. And she's not going to do any of it. And then two years later, I see them again, and she asked the exact same questions. This is really based, fundamental human experience. And so, and again, like I said, it's step one. And so the the farming element, and it, you know, it doesn't have to be like, look, if you want to be like a fucking wild, savage hunter and live in the jungle, that's even that's even a st- that's more base than that. It's 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 based, right? It is as based as it gets. Um, if more power to you, if you can do that, you know, and that be your entire like existence. Um, I, I can't, at least not where I'm at right now. Um, but if, if, if you don't have a connection with nature, with the land, with the animals, and you can't literally feed yourself off of that, then you're missing step one. You are missing the fundamental experience of what it means to not just be a human, but to be a living being that knows it's going to wake up the next day and goes, I got to eat, which means there's work to be done. And no doing some bullshit consulting job in an office and then taking that money and then going to the store and buying the packaged food and then going home and and putting the microwave. That is not that. It's not that. And so, so, I mean, back to Uncle Ted, like that is God. He was right about so many things. Oh, he was man. And if he so, was real quick. If anybody hasn't read Ted K's manifesto, just go read it. Like his execution was probably wrong. His ideas weren't though. <laughs> right. So yeah, that's what I always say. That's what I always like. Like read him. Don't be him. Don't do. Oh, what there he there did. was a good meme. It said Ted K wasn't wrong. He was just early. <laughs> yeah there you go that's very yeah i've seen that one that's very very well put god the, the ted k memes are the best um so what you've done is you've fundamentally taken away the power process you're familiar with like what he refers to a power process yeah so everyone is living surrogate lives they have their surrogate activities based on surrogate activities so for people who haven't read you know the manifesto or industrial Society, what's it? The industrial society and its consequences, because there's that sentence, but it's, I don't, what well, I have it somewhere over here. Yeah, I've got um, it. I I don't have it memorized, but I have it on a piece of paper that I want to frame. Like it's in cool well, so calligraphy. That, that, that that's that phrase is the industrial revolution and its consequences have been a disaster for the human race. Yep. But but there's okay. No, so the name of the book is, and I this I did not cheating because I can't actually find it in my bookcase. Um, it's called. Uh, industrial society and its future i believe that's the name of one of his books and so in that he talks about that you know every person every man needs to have what's called the power process and it's a it's a uh something that this person must go through in order to survive that brings with it a sense of accomplishment and and meaning and purpose and unless you literally like have to work for your kind of survival 
and and to uh, to acquire those resources in a very like primal and fundamental way, you are missing that that power process. And so what ev- what people do because they need to feel like they have meaning is they take up surrogate activities which resemble which kind of in some way resemble and give a a semblance of that process. Which is why like every you know the guy who works you know, in a in an office and works at nine to five, and it doesn't matter if he makes like three hundred grand a year and he's like a high paid lawyer or something. He's going to go train for a marathon because his life isn't hard and it doesn't mean anything. And so he needs to be like, I got to do something. I gotta I gotta feel like I'm really working for something real and carnal and visceral. So I'm going to go train for a marathon. And whatever happens in the marathon doesn't change my life whatsoever. If I come in first place, that's cool. If I come in last place, that sucks. Either way, I'm still going to eat. Either way, I come home and everything's mostly the same. It's not fundamental to the to the, you know, the your existence. And so what we have is everyone is over-socialized and removed from these fundamental elements. They don't have step 1, but they built a life on top of it with no foundation. So that the health thing, you know, as so it was as like many people, I was already red pilled on many, many things. But but COVID changed not necessarily my understanding of of how the systems work, though I, I definitely like read more and, and found out about more things, but it was more so I understood more about how I work about how humans work and how our existence works. And I went, you know, all, like there was a, an immediate rush for people because all the, all the stores were like selling out of like meat and stuff, right? Like that was one of the right. early things that happened. Yeah. So everyone rushes to sign up for ButcherBox, right? Because they're like, oh shit, what happens if I can't get meat from the stores? Okay. And then ButcherBox was like, we're on a waiting list now. I have, and there's so many friends who were like dying to get on there. And so when all of a sudden you go, wait a second. I've been existing in this like fake kind of life and this all can come crumbling down real fast. I better make sure I have a strong foundation. And so, yeah, a part of it is like, you know, and it's most basic level was I want to make sure that I have food that I can, you know, consistently rely on. Um, But also like, what am I actually doing? Because before COVID I was a television host and that was so much fun. I loved it. It honestly, I never had quite like conceptualized it, but it was like my dream job. I got to travel and go interview people about sports and training. And it was just dream come true. I got to talk. I love talking. It was all of the things that I love to do. And then I went like, what the fuck value am I bringing? You and see, it's not and to say that like, that's what I get with a lot of people as well is that and I wanted to touch on this real quick is that there, and I, and I try and I, I try and talk about this in, um, you know, in my men's group that I'm in, um, that we've been running for a while. I try and talk about it with my employees is that what the, what the fuck is any of this to you? You and I, and, and you, you understand what I mean, but it's really hard to articulate to people who don't understand that base level of human is it. And I'm not talking about your faith. I'm, Sorry, I am. I'm talking about your faith. I'm talking about work. I'm talking about your family life. I'm talking about everything. What is this doing for you? Like, if it's not serving you, 
And it, if, if it's not fulfilling you as a human, get the fuck rid of it. Stop. Just, just stop doing that because that's how you become chained to something. You are the slave to some form of master. You just haven't understood it yet. Right? Like, it's all, it all means nothing. It's not going anywhere. It's never going to drive you forward. You're going to stay in this constant state of, and you know, and I don't mean to bash on you, but like, I'm a TV host, right? Like I'm a TV host. But then one day you sit back and think about it. Like, wait, is anything I'm doing right now going to matter in 50 years? Is it going to matter in five years? You know, am I compounding any foundation upon my life that I'm going to be able to benefit from in the future? Is my family going to be able to benefit from this? And if it's strictly based on the fiat system, sorry, not going to make it. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, and that's the thing. You know, if you were making, you know, half a million dollars a year as a TV host and you love to do it, great. You know, at least you're stacking money. Hopefully you're that turning. That would nice to make that much. <laughs> <laughs> no, and this is just an example, right? If you have this, no, just this giant mountain of cash, you can do a lot of things with that. But if the things you end up turning that time energy into are just other sources of wasted time energy, you are you are literally just wasting your life away. You're wasting it away. Like we need to all come back to our literal roots and sit down and really have an honest discussion with ourselves first, let alone with our spouses or our friend groups or our families and say, you know, is anything I'm doing important? Is it actually affecting society? Is it affecting culture? Is it affecting my life in a positive way? Or am I just going through the motions to then be able to come home and wake up and just fucking do it again? Yeah. It's, um, you know, talking about like that kind of connection with, and food is just, I mean, I love food both in the experience and enjoyment of it and just what it can do for you, what it means it has so many, it's such a useful analogy um, because in so many various forms as living beings, we must consume, right? It's just, it's a requirement to live. You must consume. And as humans, we have forgotten that we're also supposed to produce. And what people are doing, which our society calls production, doesn't actually make anything. And so when, you know, people call it like this, like it's the email job. It's you haven't done anything real, anything tangible. And even if through this series of emails, something in the world actually happens, it doesn't actually matter. It's not, there's no va- inherent value to it. It's an, it has an artificial value. And so it's like, it's in that sense, it's like, it's like fiat value. It's just this abstract value that people say means something. And so it does, but you know, you have people making six figures and at the end of the day, nothing is different from what they've done. They sit on their computer for a few hours a day and then they, uh, they watch Netflix, they go, you know, buy some garbage, they go to a, a restaurant, they go like travel and not that it's wrong. Like you can, you can have entertainment. That's fine. You can travel. Travel's wonderful. Like I'm not saying that those things are inherently bad, but everything just becomes consumption based. And you, you find this out so much with like relationships where people just like, they find someone who they enjoy spending time with and they like, like the same movies or they enjoy traveling and then like that's their foundation as opposed to having a really 
rich connection where there's meaning and there's value. And what are you trying to create out of life, both in like the human form with children and what are you trying to establish? What are you trying to leave behind and impact? You know, you don't have to change the entire world. Can you literally, like if all you did was when you died, you left incredible, incredible soil behind, you have done something phenomenally impactful to change the world. Oh, you've done if more you, than you've done more than <laughs> a majority of humans are ever going to accomplish right now. Like Yeah, and that's something that, you know, assuming it doesn't get just destroyed and and disvalued, that's something that that work lasts forever and if someone builds on top of that, that is that's incredible stuff. Um and so the you have to really kind of flip that thing where it's like, and it's especially, I think, I think it was Ryan Mickler who, who framed it in this way, where he said, a boy becomes a man when he produces more than he consumes. I believe I that. I believe that. that was him. I yeah. think he said that. And if he didn't, someone else did, because I read it and it, it's it damn sure it's true. And that's like, that, that was a huge change when I was like, I don't want to consume more than I produce. What kind of, I'm not adding to the world. I'm taking from it. That's not right. I can't do that. How, how can I stand by this, this form of existence living that way? It's, it's, it's wrong. And I, I, like, I can't do this anymore. And so, you know, the show got, the, the TV show got like put on hold because COVID happened. We were literally like, I was like a week away from getting on a plane and doing a road trip and filming a bunch of episodes. Um, and it was really, it was supposed to be like our first big season. It was like a full eight episode season. And that was going to be like, if COVID happens a year later, like I might be a household name in some regard and like way richer. I don't know. But the thing is, I'm so glad it happened. I'm so glad it happened because I feel like had that happened, I would have been I would have potentially been too far and not that like I ever would have been like, Oh, it's never too late. You can never give up. But like I would have been so much further from what I want to do now. And okay. I feel like it would have made it that much harder. I mm-hmm. definitely wouldn't have found my wife. I definitely wouldn't have like found this exact calling, you know, it wouldn't have been the same thing. And, and so what, what, what happened at least like for me was thinking like, I need to live a certain way. I need to live a certain way so that my life means something real to me. And I'm not saying that everyone has to do this. But I mean, shit, like if everyone just knew what it was like to just plant a small garden in their backyard, you know, like not everyone can and not everyone should homestead. Um, You know, it's just like there's – we fill different roles in a society and a community. Yeah, agree. And especially within that community, right? Like for me, I am the homesteader within my direct impact community. But that doesn't mean that, you know, my close neighbors don't have a role that they fill in return. Right. Right. Yeah, One of my neighbors, they're not homesteaders, but they have an orchard. So guess what I get? I get yeah. all of the apples and peaches and pears and everything else as food for us and as fodder for my animals. I trade them animal products for it, right? There, there's different niches for everyone, right? And I don't recommend everybody goes in homesteads. Right? It's, it's, it's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy at all. But yeah, everybody has roles to fill within that little sect of community. 
Um, and I was having a conversation with it, uh, with, uh, Devin from nature pill a couple of weeks back that, um, people will argue with me all the time when I tell them like, you know, I trade with all my neighbors and you know, we don't charge each other anything. It's a pseudo form of bartering, right? We're not really, we're not really negotiating anything. It's just like, Hey, you got a couple, couple bales of hay. I got some milk. I got some eggs and we just, here you go. And we just exchange them. And they're like, oh, well, that sounds a lot like communism. And I was like, well, yeah, yeah, it is. But it just doesn't have the state riding on top to where after you get past like 30 people, everyone immediately dies, right? Because like 31 <laughs> people is firing line. You know, everyone dies and there's no food. But it works because everyone has some form of input that makes sense for your local impact community, right? Someone's doing something that's going to have some form of value to someone else. And that's, that goes for anything within a 10 mile radius. I don't care where you're at. It doesn't matter where you're at in this country, in the world, like 10 mile radius in a community, you're going to find someone that needs your services or your goods that you're going to be able to trade for period. The end. I, I absolutely guarantee it because that's how humans work. They make things and they want to consume things. You have the thing I want to consume. I made this here. Like, it's so simple. <laughs> well, and, and so if you can't find someone who wants what you have, you need to reevaluate your life and you need to come up with, with producing something. And so that, that, that local thing is, I'm, I'm not exactly sure what your, like where exactly you live and what that community is like, but it sounds like you have something fairly similar to, you know, what I kind of strive for. Though I'm kind of, I, I'm I'm this kind of like, I I'm an idealist for sure, and it's like I want to live in like a little community where there's like ten families and we all like farm together and our kids all grow up together and homeschool hey, and there's stuff. There's seven here right now and there's two houses for sale. So come on up, man. I'm just, I'm just saying. <laughs> hey, maybe maybe who knows? We we really really love Colorado, but um, yeah. So it's like, yeah, not the whole point of being, you know, uh. A member of because as humans we are not we're not individuals we are but we have to exist as part of this thing and so this is why when people get like way too like ideological with like communism capitalism whatever it's like yo fuck communism and capitalism i don't want to live because they're they're both they're both they're both facilitations of 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 uh consumerism Right, just that in in capitalism you have more choices. Yep. You have more well, choices. you have you have the illusion of more choices because, like we said, yeah, all it is all owned by the same all, companies. Well, no, all it is, like you said, if you're not producing anything, the only thing you're doing in your daily life in a capitalistic society is you're just moving money. That's it. You're you're right. just moving money. I don't care what the product is. I don't care what your job is. I don't care what it is. And I I, don't, I think I talked about this on on my last pod or with somebody. It doesn't matter. Unless you are actually producing something in your everyday nine to five, whatever it looks like, if you are building something out of nothing, and at the end of the day, you can say, I built this, and this is going to affect and change this. Anything outside of that, you're just changing money. It's all materialistic, and it's all bullshit. Like, all of it. It doesn't matter. And so that's like capitalism, communism, I don't care. It's all garbage. It's all stupid. Just I'm just gonna make goats and I'm gonna watch my chickens have sex and it's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's li- yeah, that's literally what it is though. That's what it is, and that's why like 
you know, people get so caught up in all this like political bullshit. Like, look, and, and some elements like this stuff, it affects our lives. It affects our lives. But the, this like overly, you know, whether it's globalist or like even nationalist kind of perspective, it's like, okay, I'm going to do what I can to make sure my local community is better for myself, my family, and for the people that I care about around me. And anything beyond that, you can't affect. And I don't mean like, it, not, not like a blackpilling thing, not meaning that like you're powerless. I, I think that an individual can change the world. And it starts with changing themselves. And then after that, it's changing your family and your community. And then from there, your town. And then from there, your state. And from there, your country, whatever it is. But, you know, people always forget these two elements. If it, it doesn't matter whether it's politics or any kind of idea. They always just very, they completely misrepresent and understand the concepts of time and scale. They have this idea that works in this certain little lens here. And they go, oh, okay. So in a family, it's the same money, right? Like, yeah, if I make the money, I'm not going to be like my wife, like, all right, you know, you got to earn this kind of thing. It's like, no, what's mine is yours. What's yours is mine. It's the kids. It's all, it's ours. We are a little communist household. But if my neighbor, and by neighbor, I mean someone who I don't know comes over and just starts taking my shit, I'm going to rack the shotgun, right? Because that's not, <laughs> that's not what we're talking about here. And so, you know, are you familiar with the Dunbar number? Unpack that. Okay. Dunbar was a researcher or something, and he discovered the number of humans that, can ex that basically can exist, like the amount of people that you can keep track of. So he first saw this with chimpanzees. With chimpanzees, it's 80. If you have 80 chimpanzees, you have this wonderful community. It has a natural hierarchy. It has a sort of social ecosystem, and everyone you know, knows each other and relates to each other. You basically go to 81, and they turn into like two groups of 40, and they go to war. So, so in humans, it's 150. Yeah, it's a, if, if you have, you know, you can know 150 people, but you can only have 10 best friends, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's like it, it, you know, the way that it's framed, it's, there's 150 people that you can like realistically care about at any time. And so, you know, you think about your family members, think about your friends. Some of them are people you work with. Sometimes it's your neighbor. Sometimes it's, you know, someone down the street. And then you get like your buddy, you know, from back home who you, you call on a weekly basis or something like that. You can, there's only 150 people. There's only room in the, in here for 150 people in here. Have you seen how That's many just, people I follow on Instagram? No, I haven't. Is 160. It exactly? I try and keep it at 160. <laughs> I'm serious. I need to, I need to just like slaughter, slaughter. No, my so I mean, I, I know, I know this system. I know the program. I was talking with Jonathan West from being husband pod about it uh, a couple weeks yeah. back. He's like, hey, have you heard about this? And I was like, yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, dude, look, look at how many people I follow on Instagram. Like, cause I, I know how this works. Like, I, and I know there's important people I should talk to and there's important people I should follow. Like, I don't have time. I don't have time for that. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to sit and scroll aimlessly all the time. Like I got shit to do. I'm running a farm and I have a two and a half year old psychopath daughter. Like I got, <laughs> I got things to do. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the thing. It's like I follow a couple thousand people, but I don't see all the I, – I have not seen posts from 99% of those people in years, right? Because most of them don't even post for the – you know, whatever. Um, but so 
when you're think like, so one of the guys that I work with at the farm, him and I have actually become really good friends, but he's like a hardcore Marxist. Uh. (laughs) I know. I know. Um, And so we, we started off like with a lot of like tension tension between us. Um, I mean, I could, I could literally and figuratively just like snap him like a twig. And he knows that. And he knows that because he's, he's told me, told me that. Well, he's Um, pre-starving. It's called (laughs) pre-starving. Well, well, he was raised vegetarian and he's Marxist. So it makes sense. Um, Anyways, so him and I actually like, you know, when we're working and stuff, we have fun. And then it doesn't matter what we're talking about because everything, the simplest thing becomes a thing. And like, you know, he, you can't be like a communist without being purely existing in fantasy land, right? So he, he is, have you heard the term theory cell yet? Theory cell? Yeah, it's like incel, but modified for people who are all like focused on theory. Oh, holy fuck! Yeah, yeah. It's I, I spend too much time on the internet. It's that's definitely true. That's a th- this is a thing. It, it's it's basically it, you know it it's you know how like Watergate was Watergate, and now you throw another word in front of it, and it ends with gate, even though Watergate was the name of the hotel, but gate now like has this connotation mm-hmm. where it means like a you know scandal. So that's kind of like what's happening with like cell in a sense. Um, it's basically it's people who are like, "Have you heard about this idea? This is a great idea. Read this whole book." It's like, "No, I don't have time for that." What what works right now in the here and now in the real world? Like, let's worry about that. And so, everything that he's talking about all the time, you know, he's always like, "You really need to read Marx," and I'm like, "No, I don't." <laughs> um, but but all of these ideas. You know, he's always trying to be like, okay, so we need like a one world global government that I'm like, no, <laughs> no. Oh, and you work with this human. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyways, so there, this, this concept of this Dunbar number thing, it's that people don't understand the limits of whatever it is. They don't understand the limits and understand the scope of whatever their idea is, whatever their practice is. And it's not supposed to be this just like oh, it's just like infinitely scalable kind of thing. You know, it's like we work, we have our farm and it's like, yeah, we could have however many more heads, we could milk this many more cows, we could have all these more steers. And then, and then what? What? To then have more land? To then have, it's like, what's the point? You yeah. know, at, at that point, we you just become a corporation and you lose, like I know the people who pick up milk from us, right? I'll see them walk on the farm, I'll say hi to them. Some of them I like, you know, brought them along myself. And there's a relationship. If I don't know any of our customers, then it's 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 you lost it. Yeah, then you You've, are chasing you, money. That's all you're doing. And I would I'd like to point out about kind of what you were saying is that people don't understand understand scale. And this goes from the the individuals as well as onto the business model. They don't understand scale because they are literally scared of front-loading the pain. You are scared of front-loading the pain of what it is going to take to get to that target and to get to that goal, whether it's you're scared of the money it's going to take, you're scared of the literal sweat equity that it's going to take, the decisions you'll have to make, whatever it else. Humans have this really, really weird thing where they're, they're just scared all the time about the simplest stuff, right? And, and obviously, it's gotten worse and worse and worse over the course of 
you know, the last hundred years, definitely the last eight years or so to where they're not willing to take the leap into, I can affect something and I can affect my community and I can affect, I can make a business and I can, I can do this. I can change my local impact because they aren't willing to front load the pain that it's going to take to do that. That all of that fear is already built into them and it's already been programmed, you know, because the soil's full of estrogen. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, what, so one thing I wanted to say about the front loading thing is like, okay, for instance, right now, um, you know, I took this job because I wanted to not dip my feet in, but just dive into this shit. Right. Um, you know, I, I work six days a week and I work somewhere between like eight, eight to 12 hours in a day. And, you know, and it's, and it's all manual labor and it's, it was negative 17 degrees when we started work this morning. Beautiful. And, and if you had told me that, you know, one day you're going to be waking up before the sun comes up and it's going to be negative 17 degrees and you're going to go outside and you're going to go work in the snow. You've been like, what the fuck are you talking about? Why would I need to do that? I don't need to do that. I, I, I don't need to do that. There's just not a need for me. You to are do front that loading your own life. pain. You're doing it right now. And so I'm like, I'm, I'm making very little money, but I'm learning so much and not just that, but I love, like, I, I hate waking up that early every day. And then after that first, like, oh, here we go. And then I'm just like, ex- every day I drive to the farm, I'm excited. You know, it's, it's that it's, it feels there's so much fulfillment and so much purpose that I know that like, when I go into work now, I'm actually doing something. And I also know that like, you know, I have the power to create so many things that it's like, you know, I'm talking to owner right now about starting multiple programs of ways that then will, yeah, they'll bring me a significant bump in, in income because I will have created something that produces and brings a return. But I have to be like, yeah, I'm getting paid jack shit in order to, to get there. And most people, it's, it's the, it, it's a very entitled type of living where it's like, no, 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 I need, I need this. I need that. Um, and I don't want to do that much. And it's like, you know, and I'm just like, look, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do it. I don't care. Just like, I want to learn everything. If you're like, Hey, do you want to fucking, I'm going to just make up terms. You want to like jackhammer a, a crop wrench thing. And I'm just like, yeah, whatever. I don't know what that means, but, but show me, teach me. I don't know how to do this stuff. You've been doing this stuff for decades, and I know that one day I want to have my own homestead. And so this is, you know, we've lost, we've lost mentorship. Mm-hmm. It's as men, it's this, it's supposed to be this really, this, this, uh, this passage and this process that is supposed to give us this like deep value and connection, and to learn skill and have like a reverence for <clears throat> both whatever the trade is, itself is. And the elder, the mentor themselves for, for sharing that with us. It's it's the death of the hero's journey is what it is. I mean, it's the, it's the full death of the hero's journey because as, as young boys into young men, into men, there's all that transition area in there to where you need to have mentors. You need to have all these set goals that you have no idea how you're going to get there and be able to hit them to be able to go through your darkness, right? You and I both have beards, right? Mine, mm. mine's just going insane right now. Yeah. The, the whole theory about a man and his beard is that you have gone through a period of triumph into darkness and out of that darkness, 
there's your beard, right? And that's the, you can look at that biblically. You can look at that through philosophy. There's all sorts of things written strictly about men's beards and it's weird. But then when you sit and read and think about it, you're like, Oh, Oh damn. Okay. Yeah. Okay. This beard may, may mean a little something right now. Like I, I went through some crazy transitions in darkness and now my beard is like 17 feet long. I'm getting to the Ian Smith levels, right? Him and I talk all the time and I'm hoping that, uh, because of his recent update, he's running for Congress. I'm hoping he has to cut it. So that way I win. So, <laughs> but no, so, I mean, I mean, that's the thing actually, just, you know, just to talk about beards, for instance, right. We like, we haven't had a president with facial hair of any kind in forever. And it shows. It shows. And you know, that's, that's the thing, like, you know, and this is, this is like some more kind of Ted stuff, but it's kind of like, you know, these are the things that they took from us. And think about the modern, you know, soy filled man. He's almost certainly not clean shaven. You have these, these, uh, these man, man children, right? These, these people who have not properly developed, you can look at them and you go, why do you still look 12 and you're 35? Mm-hmm. How did you exist and, and, to this point? What got you here? How did you even survive? Really? Yeah. It's, you know, the problem is we got rid of bullying. Oh, yeah. And that's the whole thing. It goes back to it, the, a bunch of men <clears throat> in this in this world haven't been punched in the face enough and it shows. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. So you have you have people who, you know, and to, to, the, the beard's a great analogy. You can be a grown man. Well, you can be an adult and have a beard and you can have not literally physically even like matured it's like this it's this weird element where you're getting like the veneer of it without any of the realness under it you haven't had the physical maturity you haven't had the emotional the spiritual the mental maturity you haven't gone through anything and but your body still gives you this signifier that it's like i i have beard i'm man and the thing is you would have never ever been able to get to that age in life where you can grow a beard without going through some shit and so if you had a beard and you know and then you know think about like when you become an elder if you're an elder it means you survived through the shit all of the shit you've probably almost died multiple times many times you've developed you've experienced things you've developed skills you have you have wisdom from all this stuff but now you can age without living and so we have this like Oh, that's good. That is so good. Yeah, write that down. I need to remember that. Okay, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're recording. So yeah, let me <laughs> Yeah, okay, that's fair. I forget sometimes. Sometimes I think we're just talking on the phone. Um and and so like it's the the classic thing where the the you know 2020 something modern man is either uh weirdly skinny or fat. And he has all kinds of weird things about his appearance and his energy and his disposition. And he, he looks some kind of unhealthy and he has this weird feminine affectation, but then he has a beard. And it's this, it's, you know, you know, you said as, as our world is becoming feminized and it's so funny because, you know, I was kind of talking, saying how like, I really kind of feel this like balance element. If you talk to women who like I feel like get it, you know my my um, my woman. She's a doula, you know. She has really struck. I married. I 
picked her because she just had this like really strong like mother energy. It was just like that's that's a woman, that's a mother, that is someone to like build a life with. I felt it's a really, really strong bond there. And she would tell you that the world has lost its femininity. And the thing is, we're well, both right. Yeah, actual femininity, she's absolutely right. Yeah. She's we, absolutely we have, right. We, we have lost like the men are becoming more feminine, the women are becoming more masculine, and we've lost this polarity. Right. Mm-hmm. I actually I'm I'm working on just like, you know, an Instagram post, whatever. But it's you know, it, it has a, I'll give you a little preview. Don't fucking steal my idea. <laughs> it's a, it's it's a yin yang, right? And then it's a gray circle. Right? And it says the world isn't too black or too white, it's too gray. And so we've lost the polarity, we've lost all the meaning, and it's just become this like neutered, gray. Uh, detached, disconnected, shitty, bland existence where what it means to be a man means nothing. What it means to be a woman means nothing. You can literally just say you're whatever. And so the words don't mean anything anymore. Yep. And, and that, not just well, the words. They did that on purpose. You know it. Of course I know they it. did. That's for of a whole other did. podcast episode. But yeah. <laughs> you know, they, they, they take away everything that means anything anything that anchors yourself, the society in like, these are the things that we recognize as true. These are the things that have lasted. And when they pull your roots out, going back to the soil analogy, then they can feed you the fertilizer, right? Mm -hmm. You are disconnected. You don't, you're atomized. You live in an apartment by yourself and you order Uber Eats and watch Netflix. And that's your every fucking day. You go to some job where you send emails and now you work from now you work remote because you might die from this terrible virus that yeah, is the worst thing ever. Planet. The worst thing ever. Honestly, I've had it. Um, and let me tell you guys right now, like if you don't get whatever Fauci's selling, probably not going to make it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, I quote unquote got it in December 2019, and you know, like I really never got the flu in my entire life that I can think of. For like four days, I was so miserable. I had terrible chills, fever. I had worst cough I've ever had. I couldn't even walk my dog. I would put her on my leash and I would open the door and lean out of my apartment so that she could go to the bathroom and then I'd pull her back in. I, I just like, I could not do it. And that was about four days of that. And then I started to feel better. The next week, I like was back in the gym and like carrying like 600 plus pounds on my back and like a yoke carry. And it was just like, <laughs> whatever this is, and I don't think really anyone knows. And, or if it, it's like, it cannot be real and you can still go through that. And that could just be, you were going to go through that. It's not this different thing that came along, whatever, who cares? Um, but we know we not to, I don't want, you know, we, it's, we're two years in this thing. We don't need to break down the thing that everyone knows that everybody knows if you're not 75 and weigh 700 pounds, nothing bad's going to happen to you. Um, but, but as they've, they've taken away and, you know, this last two years was a huge step in that so much stuff has happened in the last two years. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you sit at home and send emails and then you watch Netflix and then you order food and you don't even get to see the fucking delivery guys face anymore not because he's not wearing a mask because they do contactless delivery so you don't have to talk to the guy you just open your door and there's a brown fucking bag on your doorstep oh it looks delicious (laughs) 
that's your whole existence. And you now, have no yeah. roots. You have no meaning. Exactly. You have no and expand community, that nothing. over hundreds of millions of people at this point. Yeah. Right. And we can we can definitely see it why we've gotten here. I want to I want to I want to end this on a white pill. And I, I want to ask you uh, maybe a series of questions. Maybe maybe we'll just kind of see how it goes. How are you planning to affect your child's life to give them the individual liberty that they are going to need and that is required in the world to create something better? What, what, what are you, what are you seeing with that? What is your plan? You know, the, it's funny because the, the children thing, that element came into place before the child was in the picture, before the woman was in the picture. I decided about like two years ago, you know, as, as, as the world was changing and then I was having my sort of transformation in, in response to this, that. I want to be the version of myself that my children are going to be so happy to have and they're going to be lucky to have. Because if I can't be that person, then I'm failing myself before you know they even come into the picture. It's not fair to myself. It's not fair to my wife. It's not fair to my kids. It's not fair to anyone who actually cares about me. And so it was that that I literally like, you know, I'm not into this whole like, you know, you just manifest and like whatever kind of bullshit. I just made a decision that I was going to change my life. I was going to, to, to change what I wanted to do with my life. I was going to get married and have kids. I, I, I said I was going to do that. And, you know, it's funny because this reminds me of like an old, it's an old podcast with Joe Rogan and Ben Shapiro. And I'm not a Ben Shapiro fan. Honestly, as time goes on, I become less of a Joe Rogan fan. But it was very fascinating because for all the things that Jen, that Ben Shapiro is just a fucking twerp about, <laughs> Joe asked him about like how he met his wife, and I, you know they got married like very young, you know, Orthodox Jew kind of thing, mm-hmm. and you know early twenties. And what he said was, "I decided that I was going to get married, and then I met her within a few months." And then, and then there it was. And Joe goes like, well, how could you decide that? Like, wouldn't you have to like meet a person first and then like decide that you wanted to marry them? And he goes, no, I decided I was going to get married. And so I only met the people, you know, I, that was my, that was my filtration process was I'm only looking for this. And when you decide something and you have the ability and, you know, that's what survival is, is like, look, not everyone makes it, but the ones who can. The ones who have the power, that's that. I mean, look, like not everyone, like you know, it's not just not everyone makes it. Not everyone has is going to succeed. Not everyone is going to eat. Not everyone is going to have children. The whole the whole existence of nature is such that only the strong survive. And it doesn't mean that you literally have to like create an existence that is like so incredibly brutal that it breaks almost everyone. But what you do is, if you have the power to make a decision and make it happen, that's what leads to success. And if you can't make a decision and make it happen, then you don't have that power. But instead of worrying about whether or not you have that power, make that decision and then do the things that one would need to do in order to get there. And so Ben was like, no, I decided I was going to get married. And I, so I became that person who was going to get married. 
And then the people who I attracted to myself were people who wanted that same thing. And so I decided that I wanted to be at least working some regard on the land and that I wanted to get married and I wanted to have children. And all of those things happened. And not because it's just like they came to me. It's like, no, I literally changed everything yeah. about my existence. I brought so. that to me. And I made it happen. I made it happen because I wanted it. And so having the, the you know, when you have kids, you, there's people who their entire existence depends on you for their survival and for their molding. And so it's about giving them a life that has that meaning, that they will understand hard work. They will understand where, how life and death work and how, you know, where food comes from. They will see birth. They will see death. You know, they will, they will see it all. They will experience it all. And they will, they will experience so much love and meaning. You know, I'm lucky, you know, I, I can complain all day about how my parents raised me that didn't, you know, like, why wasn't I learning these lessons when I was a kid? But I, I grew up to know that I needed to learn the lessons that I didn't learn. So they clearly did something fucking really right. And I'm, you know, incredibly grateful for my parents. I love them very much. And they gave me, they gave me so much opportunity, but more than anything, they gave me love. I, I've talked to so many people who've had all different kinds of, 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 you know, home lives and childhoods and experiences. And I can't just be anything but so immensely grateful. I never for a moment doubted that my, both my parents didn't love me just like as much as is even you know physically possible and beyond. They were always there for me. They always you know showered me with love and affection. You know we said I we said I love you a lot in the home. There was lots of hugs. There was lots of cuddling. There was lots of kisses. There was lots of all of that stuff. And that is something that I feel. You know, and I this I hate what this world has become. Uh, what this word has become. But I feel incredibly privileged to have experienced that. And that it's very important that that is something and that is the kind of the top of the thing that I, you know, um, share with my children and I spread into my family and I mm -hmm. foster a, a, a feeling and an environment where there is so much love and there is a really, really strong connection and not just that, but like a, 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 a seeing of the other person. You know, I, I feel like it's, it's, it's all, you know, every kid, every person who's an adult was a kid and they experienced all of those things. You know, they were, you know, they were a year, year, you know, one years old and they were shitting their pants. Right. And they were like, you know, four years old and they were like, you know, opening their sort of eyes to like this world outside. And then, you know, they hit puberty and stuff. And then there's all this weird stuff and there's talking to girls and talking to boys and all this like, and then someone way, came like, by when they were 18 and told them about Tartaria and the FDA <laughs> and they didn't know what to do. <laughs> if only someone had, you know, but, um, and so what happens is, is that when we become adults, we tend to forget. And so when we're trying to relate to children, our children, we forget that we did that. And like, we actually know what it's like, but we don't remember what it's like. And so what I, you know, what I think of what a community should look like is it should look like hopefully a mix of nuclear and extended families. And, 
you know, non-blood related families that create very strong bonds and that you have people of every age sharing an existence because that's what, you know, a proper tribe is supposed to be. Yep. And so that if you always experience people of every ages, then you kind of always go, oh yeah, I know, I know what that's like. You're 13, I know what you're doing. You're seven, I know what you're doing. You're 35, I know what you're doing. We we should have this 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 uh, this strong recognition and um, and uh, and connection with all these different sort of stages. And if you can have an appreciation that like every age of human is meaningful and is providing its purpose and it's in this place and you're on this journey. You can have such strong connections because you you have this. If you if you if you if you know people, if you have strong connections with people, then you can that spreads that shares to the to the next person. It's like if you and I get really close, that's going to help when I meet some other dude who wants to talk to me about something. You know, and it's it's just that like it's again keeping in mind scale. It's not forever, but it's this. Intention, intentional um, transfer of energy, you know. So my parents gave something to me. Of I want to give it all to my kids, and I want to give them more. Right. That's what. That's what got us into this place. Was we got we, we forgot and we sort of misconstrued what more was. We thought more was bigger and better and this and kind of more stuff and things. And it's not stuff, stuff and, and things. things. And yeah, and so instead, it was just the enhancing. You know, it's not creating the volume; it's creating the density, right? It's it's increasing the quality, not the quantity. Yep. Yeah, you don't and need to that, be super super wide, but you do need to be deep. That's the thing. Yes. Yeah, and I learned yes. that from some some multi hundred millionaires a couple of weeks back when I was in Cancun. <laughs> that uh, you know they they a couple of them all said like they don't they don't need their their range of genius to be really wide, but they do need it to be deep. Right. And that goes with everything that goes with, you know, business, your family and everything. And, uh, just to put a nice little bone, I can tell you right now from father to almost father, that your kid is going to be a really blessed child. And they're going to have a very nice set of uh, set of scenarios already ready made for them to where they're going to learn, they're going to grow and they're going to foster and prosper and, gonna make it right (laughs) they're they're gonna be great so i i I, it means a lot to to have someone say that um you know one of the things that it you know as as we sort of exist in whatever this space or what you want to call it it evolves yeah yeah we're like you know it's just a it's a bunch of guys going through the world trying to figure things out and there's a lot of different you know, niches and, and communities and groups of, of guys doing that. And those, they all look very different. Um, but what I found is that what I care about has changed. And like I said, what I cared about changed and I brought in the family element. When I decided I wanted to be, I always knew I wanted to have a family, but I was like, okay, now's the time. These yeah, are where my values I'm doing are. doing it. Yep. This, this is where my, my, my intention is. That when I'm talking to someone who like doesn't have kids and they want to tell me like their plans for things. It's much harder for me to not necessarily just like respect it, but I go, 
Okay, so if you don't care about having kids, what you want for the world and what's going to drive you to wanting things for the world, it's going to be very different than what I want. Yeah, it's a, it's so, a, there's a little bit of a selfish aspect of it as well. And I, I kind of have the same thing where I get a little bit of a sour taste. And I'm kind of like, okay, well, you know, they don't, they're not seeing this from the same perspective. Fine. I get that, right? They don't, they don't have little crotch goblins running around on the ground. I get it. So they can't actually see that reality. But them not being able to see it doesn't mean they can't plan for it. So my favorite thing to do is people who don't have kids, they'll come to me and talk, whatever it is, general conversation, ideas, whatever. I immediately say, how about a wrench that's the size of a toddler just gets thrown inside of your plans? Like that's it. It's it's a wrench the size of a toddler. And then you have to figure it out, right? I want to do all the things I want to do with the homestand and with my life and everything else. And now I'm just going to drag my kids through it with me, you know, <laughs> like, okay, right. They came here. My plans aren't changing. You guys are just going to be more enriched for it because you get to see how our family is going to advance and you're going to get to help do it. Yeah. And that's, that's, you know, that's kind of the fundamental element of being a man is that like, you have to be a man on a mission. Right. And then what you do is you, you know, you bring your family along with that mission. That's how you, that's how you are in service to your family is by pursuing something very meaningful, something that's, that's great. And that's, that gives you purpose because just, you know, we are talking about like, you know, the power process thing. If even regardless of what it is, if whatever you do makes you feel that way, you will be a better person and you will be better for your, for your family. And and so what, 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 you know, so it's like if someone didn't want children, but their life was still a form of, of service, because like that's what being an adult is, is it's sacrifice, right? You have to be in service of other people in some regard. And, you know, but, but what that looks like for a man and woman is very different. And so, you know, like a woman, you know how it's always like save the women and children. At some point, a boy is on the being saved side, and sometimes the that boy is ends up being on the, the saving, saving side. side. Yeah, right. And at some point, you either got to do that, or you're a really, really big boy, and you're sinking that life raft. You know, and so that's that really big, important transformation as a man. So, like, if you don't want to have kids, but you're gonna like you're gonna work really hard and do something for like your community. Or, you know, back, back when being in, in, uh, what would today be considered like military or armed forces, like actually giving your life for the real survival of your people and not like just to put money in different people's the cause. Yeah. Bankers wars. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, that would be, that would be honorable as a man because you are sacrificing something for the betterment of this, this greater thing. But with the way the world is now, for the most part, those people are just like, I don't want something in the way of me consuming. It's like, you know, just like talking about like what brings certain couples together. It's like, yeah, but if we had kids and being and traveling would be harder. I mean, who the fuck cares? Yeah. But, you know, that's that's where their values are. And so it's really, for me, it's been really great to get to know more fathers because there's no lesson, there's lessons that I can learn from fathers, I cannot learn from non-fathers. And those are the lessons I feel like men and boys in our world today are, are, are really missing. Because 
technically everyone has a father. And for the for many people, their father could still be in your home, but they could miss the fathering part. You know, like my dad was always there. He drove me to every single practice and game. And not just that, but my dad would sit and watch my practice. He was pretty much like the only, you know, one or two dads who would watch practice, not just the games. But my dad never taught me the sport. He's like, I'm going to take you to practice and then, you know, you'll learn the thing. And so I missed out on that, like that transference. And I, I love my father very much. It's just, you know, he was there for me in ways that I'm sure other people's fathers weren't, but I just, I lost mm-hmm. that thing. And so I, I, I need, I just like, I admit that I need this element from, from more men and more fathers. Uh, and, and so you know, a lot of this, like, you know, I don't know what to call it, but like masculinity kind of space, it's just like a bunch of guys and it's, it's just a pure like dick measuring contest mm-hmm. and they don't have children. And then, you know, you see what happens to a lot of these guys, all this weird shit comes out about them and you're like, wait a second, what's that? Oh yeah. The cuck Murphy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, and it's not, it's not just him. Like it happens with other people. Oh no, it does. It's it's all over the place and it's, and it's it's a direct reflection. It's one thing to be like 21 years old and to be talking about this stuff. And it's like, look, I remember being 21 and thinking I knew knew some shit. And now I'm like, I didn't know jack shit. And now that I'm 31, I think I know some shit. And when I'm 41, I'll be like, I didn't know jack shit. Yep. But, but it's one thing to be like 21 and being like, this is where I'm at. This is like what I'm aspiring to. And I love that. Like, I'm going to do this, this, this thing. I'm out. I love that element. But if you're like in your forties and your life is just around accumulating resources and women, then I don't really give a shit what you have to say. Yeah. You've done nothing. You've created nothing. You have only consumed. It's if you have gotten to this point and you haven't gotten it again, no one is a lost cause, but it's, you have not, you haven't, you, you're just a really, really big boy. You're a big boy and you're sinking the life raft. <laughs> okay, sorry, that, that got me. That one got me really good. You're a really, really big boy. You big boy. Like, what you going to do in there? You ain't going, you ain't going to help nobody. What you doing? Get out of here. All right. <clears throat> Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, but it's, it's true though. It's true. Um, that, that it's, and it all ties back to the direct thing that we talked about at the bidding is that, you know, what, what are you producing? What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing that makes any meaning? Right. And that's why I like to talk to people like yourself that have some idea of like, Hey, I, I've got two hands and I've got a brain. Um, this is how I can provide for my family. And it is unfuckwithable, right? And that's the really important thing. Because I, you know, talk about liberty, talk about freedom, talk about permaculture and homesteading and Bitcoin and sovereignty and all this stuff. I don't care how anyone goes about it. What are you doing that is making you and your family unfuckwithable? Like make yourself expensive to kill. That's the whole, that's the whole thing. Make it so that it's not even worth trying to fuck with you or your family or whatever else. No, like yeah, I got my own food. I've got my own news sources. I've got my own community. I've got my own friends. I have my own way to provide for my wife and my family and, you know, all of my neighbors and the people that I work with at the farm and everything else. You, you have all those things already in place and in building process, ready to go. 
you're going to make it. Congratulations. You found out a way to beat the whole game, right? Like the chessboard is there. We have to play on it because they forced us to. We just need to learn how to flip the fucking table. And you are doing that in the way that you can. And that's, and that's really, really powerful to hear. And I respect it. And it, it just talking with men like yourself gives me just that tiny, just a little bit more stacking of hope to know that a, I'm not alone and that it's the signal can't be stopped, right? It can't be stopped. The signal has been sent. You guys decided to pull, pull back the veil a little bit two years ago and expected people not to look. And we did. And now the world is rapidly getting ready to go, right? No matter what that looks like for people, they're getting more secure. They're getting their families in order. They're starting to have more babies. They're getting their finances in order. They're getting their food consumption in order. And it, it's it's beautiful to see, right? And people can get blackpilled like we were talking about. All of this is a white pill. I constantly tell my groups in three words, each with a period, best timeline ever. Like this is the best timeline ever to be alive. Dude, like I said, I, I am so grateful. Like if I could go back and undo, I would not undo any of it. I, I love that this happened. This, this is what our world needed. And honestly, I think it was inevitable. Yep. And, you know, it, it, it really is like, you know, there is like, you know, there's, there's not going to make it and there's going to make it kind of a thing. And the problem is that the world was propping up too much, too many not going to make it. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, it's like, like, I understand that like not everyone, like, not only is not everyone going to make it, but like not everyone can, can do it. Not everyone can do everything. But, I hope people know that like if you want it, if you actually want it, and when you want something, you do the things, you can say you want something. And this has been a this has been a huge kind of thing for me as I've been like just tr- trying to understand what it means to like I'm a, you know, I'm about to be a father. And you know, love has been such a huge element of my life. Um but it, it's really true like when they say that like love is a verb you know, and not to just like I don't even I don't even know who said that. And it's probably some like complete loser kind of person. But anyways, love it's it's true because it doesn't matter how much you feel it, but you have to act it. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't matter how much I love my wife and children. It doesn't matter if I don't act love them that way. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you like I would love I want to. Uh, to be like, you know, financially stable and have some land and do this thing. It's like, great. I, can you show me that you want it though? Can yeah, you actually I, go do it? I, I put it and a little I, bit. And, and so in, if you, if you want the thing, you can. Yeah. I, I put it into a, into a little bit of a frame of before I had a family, right? It was just my wife and I, and we were, we were in love, right? You're just in that you're in that you're con- you know, you guys are affectionate. You have you and your wife don't have a kid yet you're in love that that's a state of being that's energy that's words you exchange with each other that's everything when you have a child it becomes a tunnel and this is the way i've I've framed in my mind it becomes a tunnel that you are you are living through love you you are going through love and it's just this constant tunnel that you're building you took your family with you're not just living in it anymore no 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 now you're in the fucking fast lane and it's just a tunnel of love you have to constantly be pouring your heart out 
you know, showing emotion, being upfront with your child, everything else. It it's wild, man. I'm I I can't wait for you to be a father. We're gonna have such good conversations afterwards, bro. It's gonna I, be so dude, good. Okay. So one more thing I want to say about that is that, you know, it's actually funny enough today. Um, so every morning, you know, we have like a little farm meeting and because the the owner is, you know, he's Christian, he likes to read a little like pass from the Bible. And while I'm not Christian, like I, I really, really enjoy it. And, uh, you know, I, I do feel a certain strong draw to very, very uh, many elements of Christianity and a lot of the passages that he reads. I literally like I write them down and I like think about them and I read them and read them over. Um, and we were talking about love today and I forget exactly what it was but you know I sort of brought up this idea that like love is inherently exclusionary you know we think of this like you know the, the, it's become so bastardized in this kind of like hippy dippy way that it's like love and this and everything and everyone but if you if if you loved everything then you would love nothing it doesn't mean anything it is inherently exclusionary because you're deciding I love this and that sets this apart from this and uh you know just to to drop a little science in on the end here. Um, have, have you like heard anything, you know, like oxytocin? Have you happened to hear anything about it in the last like month or two by any oh, chance? Oh, of course. Of course I okay. have. Okay. So people think that oxytocin is this, this like love affection thing. And the thing is it is, but what it actually does is it strengthens in-group preferences and then creates more of a boundary to the outgroup. <laughs> Imagine that, right? Crazy. So the more, You've got to be crazy. The, Have you heard about the CIA? Have you called them recently? <laughs> so the more oxytocin that you have, the more that you will love your family. And not necessarily the more you will hate other people. But the more, the more you decide who's not your group, right? And that goes, again, back to like the whole Dunbar number thing. So, okay, this is an element that I think a lot of people, uh, they're aware of the concept, but they don't actually understand how it works. So in chimpanzees, that number is about 80. And when you think about like, how does that number work exactly? Like what sort of defines that? In a, in a, you know, a little tribe of chimpanzees, Every single chimp that's an adult grooms another chimp, which means they're picking bugs and shit off of their back. That is their, I care about you, I'm touching you, I'm connecting with you, and I literally, like, I know you in this intimate way. And so for humans, you know, there's this idea, and I don't know, you know, if this is, if you think this really holds up, but it's the idea of, like, it's actually kind of rooted more in, like, gossip. Like how many people can you like concern yourself with about their well-being? Because if you and I are gossiping about another person that we know, that usually means that they've either done something of note. And so it's either been good or it's been bad. And if we're talking about it that it's been bad, what we actually what we're meaning is that, hey, this person should be doing things better because we care about them. Some random person over there that we don't know who does something bad, we're not going to talk about it because their well-being doesn't really matter to us in the same way that someone who's part of our community does. And so the that oxytocin element of the family, of, of the affection, you know, like what's literally happening inside my woman's belly right now with that baby, like that's a bond that 
as as fathers like we can't understand we we have our own bonds but that's a that's an oxytocin thing like that's not like being like this that's being inside that's a whole nother element whole nother level yeah (laughs) (laughs) and and so like this connection that's like what people need to realize especially as men is that you know you love your family and if you really love your family it means that like you literally would kill anyone who would harm your family. And like, if you wouldn't, then it means that you're actually scientifically lacking in love for your family and you need more oxytocin. You need, you need that hugging and kissing and what, you know, whether it's your wife and it's sexual, whether it's your children and it's this, you know, this fatherly kind of whatever the thing is and it's family and it's together and it's other people who aren't even related to you who are your community and you, and you embrace all of every time that embrace that embracing is is strengthening that connection and when we're talking about you know sort of a world where like hey man there's there might be a lot of threats coming and who knows in what way that actually there's the reason why they want the cold wars instead of the hot wars because at the end of the day you know it's like everyone says like oh, what are you going to use an AR-15 with? They have tanks and nukes. And it's like, yeah, but that's not how they do it because they need boots on the ground. Yeah, they have tanks and, and they, nukes. Okay, have you guys uh, ever heard about Afghanistan? People <laughs> in caves for 20 years? Yeah, no, nothing? Okay. It's like these people have never heard of Vietnam. They've never heard of Afghanistan. And it's like, okay, clearly you don't understand how this shit works. Mm-hmm. But so that's why they don't want hot war, right? Because if it's a cold war then you don't even know who your enemy is because they're not tangible. It's this weird, it's a fucking computer. Your enemy is, mm-hmm. okay, we're, we're trying to get, we're trying to build a farm stand on the farm where we can like sell a bunch of products and stuff and we need like permits and shit and we're on, and be, they've closed the office of course because of, you know, you know what because, you know, it's oh, yeah, no, I'll just insert it here. Statism is a disease. It's a fucking disease. Anyway. It is. It is. And so that means that uh, no one is in the office. So when you call, there's no one there. So you have to leave a message. And then some person who's at their home is, is going to maybe call you back. And I'm trying to go on this computer and I can't even figure out how to fill out an application because it's the least intuitive thing ever. And it's I, I, because this has been tasked with my job to get this permit. And I fucking hate it. And that's that, <laughs> that's the war that we're fighting. It's like It's like, well, you know, that seems like a nothing thing. But it's every single no, little element it's where you're dealing little, with this. Little fucking hurdles, a little roadblocks, a little impediments, the little this, the little that. And they just strip you down and strip you down and strip you down to make sure that, well, sorry, didn't didn't you see the forms and the programs that we built with your tax dollars for you to be able to do this? But yeah, well, well, it took me three days to get that done. And you guys haven't got back to me th- for three weeks. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, we put you in a rotation. And, you know, if you would have purchased this program, you see back here when we sent you a letter about it. We sent you a letter in the mail. It was stamped with the city logo on it. You should have gotten it. All of that. All that shit just drives me nuts. Blech. Yeah. Fuck. All right. Well, we should probably wrap it there before we start yeah. just Fed yeah, posting we'll, even we'll more because we're we're about to just start talking about the JFK yeah, assassination. We're on a list right now. Yeah. <laughs> we were already on a list before this conversation, but now they've like now there's a van on my street, you know. All right. So uh, I'm going to call it now. We're we're going to make this episode one of the series because we have a lot more to talk about, uh, okay. especially with you becoming a father very quickly. Um, 
So let's just say we'll put a pin in this and uh, thanks for coming on and have yourself a wonderful evening. <laughs> Until next time, bud. Till next time. Oh, and you know, where can the people find you? Oh yeah, you can follow me uh, on uh, Instagram and Twitter uh, at Josh Rayner Gold, um, and then uh, you can check out my website, which at the moment isn't really doing anything, but is about to be doing something, which is animalfoodplantmedicine.com. I have a book coming out this spring about uh, eating raw foods. Okay, and I will direct people that way as much as possible because you're just going to end up being the next Wendell Berry, and I'm here for it. (laughs) Hell yeah, let's do it. Have a good evening, brother. All right, brother, you too.